Isaiah 43. It says, But now, thus said the Lord, who created you, O Jacob, and who formed you, O Israel, do not fear, for I have redeemed you. I've called you by your name. You are mine. Now look at this. When you pass through the waters, I will be with you. And through the rivers, they shall not overflow you. When you walk through the fire, you shall not be burned, nor the flame kindled on you. You won't even smell like smoke. Father, we come to you in the name of Jesus. And we ask you for your anointing. God, it's a holy anointing. And we don't take it for granted to stand behind your sacred desk, Lord. Speak to our hearts. Encourage the discouraged, God. Make sense of your word that we can use it every day application. We love you, Jesus. Amen. So, put verse 1 back up, teach. But now thus saith the Lord who created you. So the first thing that I want to remind you today is, is that God created you. You did not just happen by chance. And everybody in here is like, yeah, we get it. No, when you get in the middle of a trial, when you get in the middle of a storm, the most important thing you better remember today is, is God had a purpose when he formed you in your mother's womb. God did it on purpose. And everything about that's happening to you, God was well aware of it. And he made you and he will see you through it. If you're not careful, we can read these verses so much, we can miss what he's really saying to us. And then he says the next thing is, through any season that you're going through right now today, you cannot fear. Because if he's the one that formed you, then he's got you. He's not taken off guard by things that come our way or things that we hear. Listen, I had a friend say they just got a report of cancer in his wife. And he said that was one of the worst reports for two months. It shook us to the core, the report. Fear starts to swirl when you get bad reports. When you start to hear things, all your mind begins to twirl. That's why you have to be anchored in the word of God. This is the smoothest, easiest sermon to preach. And it's the absolute hardest to live and apply. Amen. So when you get the verdict, I, I've been singing it all week. We used to sing an old song at Adamsville, whose report will you believe? And we answered back, we shall believe the report of the Lord because his report says I am healed. His report says I am filled. His report says I am free. And his report says victory. Amen. Who are you going to believe today? I didn't ask you how you're going to feel. I said, who are you going to believe? I can feel one way, but I can still believe. They talked about Abraham and his righteousness. And you read the story of Abraham. He made every decision wrong that he possibly could in every way. He he didn't seem like he had any faith. But at the end of the day, he had faith. His emotions got him all different situations. And he's the father of faith. I love that. So we can be walking right there with him, not feeling it. But but he says, do not fear. And then Barry said something about it this morning. He has bought us back from hell. Don't miss that. I didn't tell you don't fear because it's going to go good down, down here. I said, you don't fear because you're forever secure if you'll walk in the love of God. I've heard people talk about, we don't believe in unconditional eternal security. 
And we don't. But we believe in a conditional security that if we will endure to the end, we shall be saved. If you'll just walk with him, you'll be saved. Amen? We've been redeemed. And then I love this part. What does the devil love to do to us? He loves to make us fear. And then the second thing he loves to do is to say, God doesn't even understand. God doesn't even know what you're going through. And God says, oh, I'm going to fix that too. By the way, I know your name. I'm not some mystical God that's up there in the stars and the cosmos. And yes, he is all powerful. And yes, he formed the world from the foundations of the world. He formed it all when he spoke. The whole universe is still expanding because he never told it where to stop. That's our God. Think about that. Scientists are just proving every single day how big and true the word of God already is. And he's like, by the way, I know your name. I, I don't just, I'm not just acquainted with you because of a church membership. And Jesus comes on the scene and says, oh, by the way, he not only knows your name, I'm going to add to that. He knows the very hairs on the top of your head. He knows you. He knows you're going out. He knows you're coming in. He knows your shortcomings. And he knows the things that you're pretty good at. Did it change him? Has it ever changed him? It's a consistent love. Amen. So, go to verse 2. This ain't going to be a long sermon, so you better get with me. Or I'm going to go to Psalms 119 and start reading it. Now, when you pass through the waters, I will be with you. Isn't it funny the gospel that we hear preached by Laodicea today in America? Is there are no waters, and there are, is no fire, and there are no storms. I heard a preacher preach yesterday, and it almost made me cry because he was behind the pulpit of Adamsville Assembly of God that my granddad and brother Hank built. And he told them that God has divine health and wealth for you. And he said, now don't go talking to me about Job because, you know, that he lived in a different time period. So he excluded that part of the Bible because he knew you were going to ask him about it. And I so wanted to look, just like go drive over to the church and say, hey, what about when Peter and John said, silver and gold have I none, but what I have, I give to you. What about when he says, you could die these, I left nine to death. This is Paul, the man who they were taking aprons and were here. And he said, I left him nine to death. There was nothing I could do. He was a fellow laborer. Sometimes sickness happens. That is a bondage doctrine. And it infuriates me sometimes to tell the people of God that if you are not in divine health or wealth, that you've done something against God. And it's the very opposite of everything I see and taught in the word of God. I wish that you prosper and be in good health as your soul prospers. Yes, there's the balanced scripture of that. Yes, he wants us to do that. But let me tell you something. Every man of God or woman of God that did something mighty for God, they had to walk through waters. They had to lose everything in places. Come on. 
I'm reading the lifestyle of the guy that was a big part of Azusa Street, his personal diary. There were times that this man of God did not know where he was going to feed his family. And he would have to cry out to the Lord. And somebody would magically, not magically, but by the Holy Spirit, bring groceries by. He would be dumbfounded. He was like, I don't know why this shocks me, but God is my provider. So you've got a whole generation talking to the church about every day should be good and everything should go well. And that's great until the bottom falls out. Amen. That's great until you're David and he says, I've anointed you as king. And you say, yeah. Oh, and by the way, there's a giant waiting on you. And after that, there's a man that's going to chase you for 15 years. That doesn't sound like wealth and health. See, what we've mistaken in the church is, listen, I know this church, I'm telling you. I watch you come up here to this altar and you say, God, I give you my life. You are the potter. I am the clay. Do with me what you want to. But somewhere in our thinking, in our mind, we think that means blessing and prosper. And God is aligning enemies in our path so that we can overcome and they can take care of things in us that won't let us be what he wants us to be. It's the process. Yes, David, you're anointed as king. And I've appointed an enemy called a giant for you. And then I've appointed another king that's going to get jealous at you and throw spears at you. Oh, you got a process, baby. You can't just be the king. What was David doing before that? He was playing with all his heart to the Lord. He was saying, God, you're the potter. I'm the clay. Just use me. How you want to use me. And listen to me. When you get there, the battle comes. That's what, it, it's completely opposite to human understanding and reason. So, put that down. So, the Israelites are freed. And they're going towards the promised land. And God speaks to Moses. We always miss this part, or maybe I just did. God says, I'm going to harden Pharaoh's heart. And he's going to chase you again. I'm just letting tell the people that when I'm leading you to the Red Sea and there's going to be no way to go left or right and I'm going to harden Pharaoh and I'm going to attack you with Pharaoh just so I get all the glory for what I'm about to do. See, look, all of us, we love that Red Sea experience. So what did the people do? Pharaoh shows up just like God said and they're like, why didn't we just die back there? That's where a lot of the church is when trials come. Come on, listen to me. I'm telling you, God began to speak to me. Some of you have completely stopped on God because it didn't go the way you wanted it and how you wanted it. Why in the world, God, would you lead me right here? There's an ocean in front of me and some crazy people behind me, God said, so that you would never have to deal or worry with them again. So Moses says, stand firm and see the the salvation of the Lord. Everybody's like, yes, stand firm. I can do that. All I have to do is stand. That is not what he said. Read it in the Hebrew. I promise I'm not making this up. You can back me up. You can go read it yourself in the Strongs. He said, chill out, relax. We think when we say stand firm, that he says stand still. Okay, see, quiet. Nobody's like, what? 
So you got a bunch of people in the church thinking God has said, instead of saying, relax, he's going to take care of this. They think, oh, well, I'm just not going to do anything because God said, stand firm. He didn't say, stand still. Because then God says to Moses, what are y'all doing? Tell the people to go. Tell the people to move. That's what I'm here today to tell you as the people of God. Get back to life. Get back to reading. Get back to praying. Yes, it didn't go your way. Yes, there's obstacles you didn't see. But God's going down and said, hey, I brought you right here to give you the greatest victory that we would boast about for the ages. Keep moving. Relax and keep going. It wasn't you that brought yourself to where you are today. It was God. Amen. Amen. Stand still is not stand firm. And that's what's happened. John chapter 5. The man's laying on his mat for 38 years. I'm going to preach so y'all just going to have to get with me or not. John 5. Jesus walks up. The man's been laying on his filthy mat for 38 years. Now you can imagine, I've only been dealing with church people for about 17 years. I've already picked up on us. Let me say, I'm not saying you, I'm saying us. So not only are there a bunch of sick folks that have got their little mats together, they've had to build five shades. They call them porches, but they've had to build five coverings so the sun don't hurt them. They have now got into the clicks together of the whining. I know. I know what happened to you. I know. I know. And now all we have a generation and a culture. Everybody's like, what's wrong with this generation? I'll tell you, we've honored in the church the mat. We've babied them in their mat. We have ministries now that are mat ministries teaching them to sit down and stay on their mat. Yes, I know this was out of your control. And yes, I know things happened to you. You just need to sit right there. Don't do anything else. You're okay. We'll minister to you here. And Jesus walks up and says, hey, dude, been here 38 years. Would you like to be healed? Oh, how many of us will say, yeah. We lie. We wouldn't say, yeah. We'd say what he did. I don't have anybody, Lord. I don't have anybody to put me in. And Lord, by the way, not only have they treated me wrong and bad, but when they get their blessing, Lord, they don't even put me in the water. Oh, yeah, I like it quiet. We're right where we need to be, baby. Well, you know, my ministry could grow if they. I could be blessed at work if they. If I had the right boss. Oh, baby, we got mats all over the place we love to lay on. Jesus is all he wants you to look at him today and say, I want you to heal me in my spirit, man. Some of you have coddled sin for so long and you've justified your nasty sin before God. And all he wants to do today, he's not angry at it. He just wants you to say, God, I am sick and tired of this sin. I want to be healed. If you'll touch him today, he'll reach out and touch you. But if you want to keep that mat... You can keep it. He'll give you that mat. Lay there. I think it's so funny how Jesus did not in any way acknowledge the mat. And then he gave him the command to get up and go. 
That's the command today. If you've said on your map because it didn't go your little way and you didn't get your little way about stuff and you've got all these reasons figured out. Listen, I heard Christine Kane say something that I knew I was going to use, but I didn't know when I was going to use it. When she said it, it just lit me on fire. She said, I was molested every day of my life by multiple uncles until I was 12 years old. She said, I'm 52 now. And she said, I want to tell you something. I could have let that 12 years define me to 52 years. But when I found Jesus at 12 years old, I don't talk anymore about what they did. I talk now about what he did on the cross. And she said, that, I've had a great 40 years with the Lord because I made up my mind. I could give myself the victim mentality. Oh, it's rancid in the church. They ain't going to come tell the preachers about it. They're going to get in their little circles and gossip about it. It's, it's, you don't know what happened to me. You don't know. Everybody always gives them attention and not me. Get off the mat. And there's so many people that as they're supposed to be walking with God on the timeline, they're 30 and they're 40 and they're 50 and they're still back and they never got the victory over something that happened to them way back here. They don't help anybody. Their ministry is dwarfed because all they know is the mat. Anytime it gets hard, I go to my mat. Well, the reason that this is happening is because of this. Now, I'm going to flip this thing a different way so you guys can relax because y'all look like I've hit you in the face with a shovel. You say, well, all that happened. Now let me talk to the rest of us. There's some of us that we were birthed at the door and we're walking the timeline with God and we're stopped right here and we should be way down there with him. Not because of what somebody did to us, because we can't forgive ourselves. Ooh, I feel God. Think about it. You have crippled you. He forgave you. Why can't you forgive you? I've got a friend right now. His dad passed away. And him and his dad, all they did was ever fight. And he cannot serve God no matter how much I try to talk to him because he cannot forgive himself. I, you can tell him, hey, I, your dad knew you loved him. You knew sons and dads butt heads that's what we do you got an alpha male in a house and then you got other little alpha males springing up that god's getting them ready to be in the charge of their own house you got too many alpha males in the house you're gonna have some problems there's no lack of love that's how growing up is and maybe some of you never experienced that uh, okay good that's great for you but there's some people that you don't always do the right thing you have stopped on the journey with God because you can't forgive you. Well, he was so good to me. And I just didn't seem to do Yeah, he knows. That's what makes him so lovable. Thank you, Lord. Today, when I was praying during worship, I, I want you to please stop laying on the mat. If you failed him, there's this thing called the blood of Jesus. 
I put it out on Facebook yesterday. It does not mean amnesia. That does not mean you completely forget about everything that happened. But what it does mean is the blood of Jesus gets you a new future and you can continue to walk with him in his plan even when it doesn't make sense. Amen? Get off the mat. I had this same talk with me and the Lord this week. I was like, Lord, everywhere I'm laying on the mat making an excuse, take my mat from me. I want to be healed. A lot of you have been preachers before or been in church forever. My little mat was, over the last years, I went from being sweet to being salty. And instead of letting God make me sweet again, I said, well, it's the church's fault. God, you don't know how they treated me. I showed them love and all they did was talk about me. I tried to do good for him, God, and you saw what they did. I'm not making this up, Lord. And so this week he asked me, hey, do you want that, Matt? Are you going to let me heal you and get you sweet again in spite of all that? See, I'm not just preaching at you. I'm telling you this is real. He wants the mat. Now, I've preached that sermon a million different ways that God saw the unseeable guy that Jesus came and saw the guy that nobody else saw. I've preached all that, but God gave me a new revelation this week. There's too many Christians in the church today laying on their mats. And it's time to get healed and get going. Amen. Now, if you're going through a trial today, or you're going through a tribulation, or you're walking through fire or water, and you don't understand it, let me show you something that God a long time showed me. 1 Peter 5. Very familiar scripture, but we stop reading too quick. It says, humble yourself under the mighty hand of God that he may exalt you in due time. Cast all of your cares on him for he cares for you. Amen? Good, Good scriptures. Be sober and vigilant or watchful because your adversary the devil walks around as a roaring lion seeking to whom he may devour. Now don't go next. This is where most of us stop. Humble yourself before God. Cast all your cares on him and be awake and alive because the devil's real. Watch for the devil. Now, some of you, this scripture before we go on, we all need to take note of this. The devil is in the weeds or all around your life. He is. Just just like the kids went to the zoo and, and just like those lines... There, everywhere you go, the devil is laying around. He's got imps, and they're watching you, and they're watching your tendencies, and they're watching when that pop-up comes on Facebook, and where you used to get rid of it, you looked at it for about five more seconds than normal. Yeah, I knew that was going to get real good. He's watching that. He's watching that, guys, when you're in the office, and girls come around, he's watching what your eyes are doing. He's watching you. Amen. Yeah, I knew that. Because I know nobody does that and we're all Christians and we're going to be fake today. So I guess I'm just preaching to myself. He's watching you. He's watching your tendencies. Listen to me. I see so many people get saved and just live life and they don't even realize he's watching you. Amen. He's trying to find a place to destroy your family. 
He's try, look, he's succeeding so much in the church today, just destroying families. He's watching you. And you act like, oh, well, I'm saved, and this is light and flippant. And he's like, no, there's nothing flippant about this. You have to be sober. That means you can't get drunk on this world's fame and this world's system. You get, Listen, it's not even talking about alcohol there. It's talking about your love for the world. All the devil needs then, he's got you tipsy. You can't serve God right because you can't love God and the world. And all of a sudden, your love begins to dwindle towards God, and he's got you. He'll put fools around you that will lead you to destruction. If you don't think he's there, you better start reading Proverbs every day. He will surround your life with fools. And you'll be drunk. And you won't even care that he's around. And what happens to most people is he ravages them. And then they come running to God saying, I don't know what happened. Listen, this is not in my notes. I want to preach on the next two verses. But I felt a prick in my heart. You better stop there. You better tell people you're playing with something. And you better get serious. You better, you better divorce proof your marriage. I started to realize that mine and Bethany's marriage was consisted of a date of me and her sitting across from each other doing this. Now I know, once again, none of y'all do that. So now we start leaving. I leave my phone at the house. I don't want it. I got to look in her eyes. That's, I got to keep this marriage. It's my job. It's my job. And you say, no, you're bragging. No, 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 I'm not bragging. I'm telling you that I don't want my marriage to end shipwrecked. That's why when I hear about guys cheating on their wives, you can ask Bethany, I don't throw stones. I try to go encourage them to, to make it right and repent and forgive because I know the minute you start throwing stones at people, Look out. That same devil's rocking around you. You know what's funny about Jimmy Swaggart? He's just a man. Some of you are like, he's a terrible person, blah, blah, blah. So are you. Nas of God, you're the same. You know what got to him? A minister in his area fell in adultery. And instead of reconciling him and trying to recover him, you know what he did? He publicly made an example out of him. He showed no mercy to him. And then all of a sudden it came to him. And all of a sudden his marriage. Listen, if, if you want to start gossiping about people falling, just go ahead and get ready to fall in the same thing. It's coming. It might not come tomorrow, but just get ready. You better repent. So all of a sudden Jimmy Swagger falls. I don't even know why I'm preaching this, but I know I'm right. And all of a sudden he falls in the same sin. Even weirder sin, I actually... What he did was unnatural. It was weird. And he falls into something different. But then David Wilkerson comes to him and says, The Lord said to tell you, 
If you'll take the punishment of the assemblies of God and submit to authority and step down for one year and get counseling, I'll restore you. So he's David Wilkerson, who, by the way, when him di he died, him and his wife Gwen had a great marriage forever. He didn't judge him. He came with a word of mercy. And so he rejected that word and he came back to him and said, now the Lord said to tell you, if you'll step down for three years, I will completely restore you. He said, I can't do that. And he said, then the Lord said to tell you, this place will be a ghost town. And for years, it was a ghost town. And he's trying to make it again back and doing all his honky-tonk songs and all that fine, good, whatever. But what came through happened. It happened. And we better be real careful when the devil starts to mess with you or people. Be awake, church. That's all I'm trying to tell you. Amen. First nine. This is what I want to say. You resist him in the faith. Knowing, listen, back to the thing. If you're going through a trial today, it's happening all over the world. Every believer that wants to do something for God has walked through affliction. And it's going through in the brotherhood. You're not alone. You're not alone. It's happening all over. Look at verse 10. And this is what I want to show you and we'll close. But after you suffered a little while, does that sound like health and divine wealth? The God of grace, of all grace, who has called us to his eternal glory through Christ Jesus. Look at this. This is amazing. How I missed it for so many years. Once you start to suffer for the Lord... And he lets the devil start attacking you and your family. And he lets you start experiencing things like David did and all these men and all these stuff that doesn't make sense start to happen to you. Like Job. Not only did Job lose everything, people skip over the fact sickness came to Job. He was, he was afflicted. By who? God. Well, the devil did it. The devil can't do anything. That's why God could say, I want you, you can touch his body, but you cannot kill him. Because God's in charge. You might be here sick today. And you're saying to yourself, Lord, I don't know why. And he's saying, so that after I restore you, I will support you, strengthen you, and then I can really establish you. Yes. And the problem is, is we don't want to endure all the suffering so that we can be established and we can be strengthened and we can grow past our emotions and our feelings. God has a purpose for the affliction. Continue to walk with him. Don't just stand still. Keep walking. Keep walking. Keep going towards him. Keep claiming the promises of God. Get this scripture and say, everything I'm going through right now is strengthening me and establishing me. It's getting me to supported where I don't need constant coddling. Everybody in this church wants to see it grow. It's a great church. They want to see it grow, but they don't want to grow. Y'all realize if we get these pews filled up, we do not have enough staff to handle it. We don't. We don't have enough help. And everybody's like, yeah, we want to see the church grow. But what that means to me is, is I don't have to do anything extra. When visitors come, 
That's the, that's the staff's responsibility to reach out to them. When people that have been here for a while miss, you know, really, that's the staff's job. Well, that's good. We'll stay the same way we are. Let's just keep walking around that same old mountain, church. I hate when Teen Challenge comes. I love them, but I hate it because it coddles us into some kind of weird posture. I'm like, ooh, this is a good crowd. Ooh, this feels good. And we don't really do good when we feel good. We're worthless to God a lot of times when we feel good. And I just thought, man, if we would get to where you wanted us, Lord, you would give us. We've never gone without want. Evangel's always been blessed. Six people out Wednesday night in our service, and we still had a full band in worship. God knows what, this is God's church. You say, well, why is he not growing his church? Go look in the mirror. Just look in it. Because, you know, you think your weekends belong to you. Oh, yeah. Y'all didn't know it was going to get right there, did you? People get sick in the church. You know, they, it is really awesome when they hear from somebody other than the staff. I thought about Valerie today and Larry. And they're battling something totally different than Chris and Dale, but they're still very missed all the same. And there's others. If we're going to grow, you've got to grow past your little mat. And so do I. And if you're in the middle of something that is serious fire, you remember what I'm telling you. God formed you in, his, in the womb. God is completely in charge. And he will deliver you. Keep walking. Just keep walking. I want you to see one last thing. It's, four, it's 14 minutes till 12. Give me two more minutes and stay with me. My throat's going out and I'm quiet and you guys look like you're dozing off thinking about pot roast and whatever else. It's okay, so come back to me. I'm all right with it. We're home folks here today. Go read Psalms 23, and I want you to see something. I have no idea why I never saw this. It's one of my favorite psalms. Can you put Psalms 23 up for me? You don't have to do the MEV. Just do King James. We'll put some vowels in there for you. It's okay with me. Psalms 23. Thank you, TJ. Don't he look nice in those new glasses, y'all? He's a good buddy. Look at this. The Lord... Look how David is talking about God in the third person. I don't know why I never saw this. The Lord is my shepherd. I shall not want. He, still talking about him in the third person, makes me to lie down in green pastures. He leads me beside the still waters. He restores my soul. I just want you to keep seeing the he's there. He leads me in the path of righteousness for his name's sake. Yea, though I walk through the valley of the shadow of death, I will fear no evil. Now watch this phrase change his life. For you are with me. Now wait a minute. 
He just went from third person to first person. He just went talking about God. Now that he's in the shadow of the valley of death, now all of a sudden his life's turned upside down. See, he knew him as a boy playing his harp, as a God of Israel, as a God that's distant off. He loved him still, but he referred to him as the third person. Man, I wish I could get it out of my heart. It's so there. It blew my mind. We want soul to be close to God without the valley of the shadow of death. You cannot fully get. Now he's like, hey, I'm not fearing because you, not God, but you are with me. Your rod and your staff, not God's rod and not his rod, but your rod and your staff, they comfort me. Look at this. Go to 25. You, that's the same word for thou there in the King James, prepare a table before me in the presence of my enemies. I love it. When God sets up an enemy, it could be sickness, it could be disease, it could be sin, it could be something. God will sit you down in the middle of your enemies and give you peace. David started to understand from that shepherd boy, something happened in that verse. He started to understand, in this trouble, now I know God. Now I know you, God. Now I can call. You're not the God of Israel. You're my God. You are with me. Look at this. He anoints my, you anoint my head with all personal. When I'm with you in the battle, you give me a fresh anointing. Amen? My cup, now that I know you, as not the God of you are God, but you're my God, now my cup overflows. And there's a lot of great meanings in all of that. Sometimes I've studied the text so hard and tried to pull so many different gems, I missed the very simple. Why have I never seen that he went from the third person to the first person right when trial came? So cool. I love studying scripture like that. It just, it completes you. Give me, let's finish it and we'll stand and pray. Surely, if you're in the valley today, you got to exercise your faith. Now, this is where I believe with the health and wealth crew. I believe that we can exercise our faith in the valley. You got to stand up and say, surely goodness and mercy shall follow me all the days of my life. And I will dwell in the house of the Lord forever. Now, how can he say that? Because Psalms 27, which they're not in order. He said, this one thing I ask, Lord, that will I seek that I will be in your house all the days of my life. I don't want to ever be at a place where I'm not with you, God. Now, the cool thing about that, that was the temple then. Now the Holy Spirit's with us everywhere. It's the same thing. Holy Spirit, wherever I am. Amen. Brother Davis, your health, you couldn't get there. And it was an attack and an affliction. But God was still with you. His presence was still there. He granted you your your request. Brother Northcott, he's with you. He's going to strengthen you. I felt like that when you were talking today. He heard you. He's going to give you strength. I believe. Everybody stand with me. It's been a long time since I think I've preached a shotgun sermon like this just everywhere. But I'm believing we can have the victory. 
challenge you. Go read Psalms 23. I'm, I, I'm trying not to cry, but I feel the Lord. When he changed my sermon, some of you are stuck. And it grieves him. Because he does want you to be blessed. I keep thinking about Christine Kane. And I'm like, Lord, if I would have had something like that happen to me for every year, for 12 years, I don't know that I would have been as free as she is. I lean for a tendency sometimes. I know myself. I lean towards the mat sometimes. Give me a really good reason not to grow. And it's a genuine one. I kind of like it sometimes. I'm not saying I'm that way all the time. But you can look at me, but so are you. You might call it a pity party. Your mat, your mat, we call it all kind of things. But it's an excuse for us not to move. I've seen people, well, they're not going to listen to my idea, so foot with it. Well, just sit on your little mat. You don't know what they did to me. I don't, and I sure don't want you to tell me. But I do want you to look up to him and say, heal me. Listen, my ear was killing me again. I've had three ear infections in the last three months. And Jason Meadows was preaching about Naaman. And he was preaching about how Naaman got so mad that God would not do it his way. And all of a sudden, I quit listening to everything he said. It was weird. And God began to talk to me. And he said, you can either keep being sick or you can give me that mat tonight and I'll heal you. And Bethany's my witness. When I came in the door Thursday, I worked a 12-hour shift Thursday. I don't know if you guys realize those storms that came through. They rocked Alabama. I put in 12 hours. You thought I was tired. I came in and she said, you are energized. I said, I am healed. My ear is gone. I gave God that same. I kept saying, well, God, I can't do this. Because every time I try, I get a sinus infection. I get walking pneumonia. Give him the mat. And I was like, Lord, I want to be healed. And I felt my ear just, the pressure open. And I didn't tell anybody Wednesday. Because I never want to be one of those people that tell everybody I'm healed. And I really hadn't got healed yet. So I was like, we're going to give it a little time. She was like, you're different. And I was like, I feel good for the first time in years. He's no respecter of persons. You, 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 our problem is we think, oh, that's an ear infection. That's not really that big of a deal to God. But you don't understand. This math that I got to give is big. This is a big math. And to you, I'll say, whose report will you believe? We shall believe the report of the Lord. For his report says, I'm healed of bitterness and unforgiveness and cancer all the same. His report says, I'm free from the bondage of sin. We sing about it tonight, today. 
Sin no longer has a hold on me. I read in Azusa Street where he said, you know what messed up Azusa Street? Men. They got back to, even though God would move, they would get back to their forms of what they thought should happen next in service instead of letting the Holy Spirit, and listen, it's decent and in order. I want to sit here for a second. It's not even 12 o'clock yet. If you'll get rid of your mat today, you would care less. I want to wait on the Holy Spirit for a second. I don't want to rush through this because you're like, well, you need to close the net. Everybody's standing. Listen, if you can't stand this long, Brother Northcutt, you're forg- you, you, you got it. You can sit down all you want to. But everybody else that's got good health, we can stand as long as we need to. We go to Walmart, go to Macy's. Boy, we can walk around for five hours in Macy's. But if a preacher makes you stand up for 15 minutes... All of a sudden, bursitis and arthritis and all kind of things start acting up. No, that's the spirit of hindrance to our service. Cast it out of your mind. Say, focus with me. See, I grew up under some of them hardcore Pentecostal guys. Brother Frost would preach to you for four hours, and then he'd stand you up and say, don't you dare go to the bathroom. God's working. You'd be like, no, no. But he realized people get flipping and people start running out and going and it breaks what the Holy Spirit wants to do. Some, somebody today, I don't care if it was one person, you needed to hear this. 